Hey, so I am so excited because this weekend I am teaching on fear of missing out on freedom and today is our first day out of house arrest because my wife she got herself a little bit of COVID and we took good care of her the Lord brought some healing and all that stuff but um, you know even when the Lord heals sometimes you still have to spend 14 days in hell and so we spent 14 days stuck at the house um, and it's not like this quarantine that we were doing before where we could you know sometimes go to Walmart sometimes go to HEB no this was 14 days like on lockdown I never felt so I, I was like a prisoner in my own home and I love my family and every, and they love me, but you know, 14 days, that's just too much. Anyway, um, I am preaching on freedom. So I am on my way right now to go get me some torchies. I'm, I'm feeling so free. This is amazing. Good morning, family. Today, I wanna to talk to you about fear of missing out on freedom. And I want to address five questions. I think they're good questions to look at when we talk about this. The first one is, what is freedom? The second one is, how do I know if I'm free? The third one is, why does freedom actually even matter? And the fourth one is, what if I have become friends with my captor and I really don't mind being in bondage? And then the fifth question, how do I get free? Our text today is going to come from Galatians chapter 5. And just to give a bit of historical context, Galatians is the only letter that Paul specifically addresses to a group of churches. Now, Galatia was not a city. It was a region in Asia Minor. So it would be like Paul writing a letter to Central Texas. Not a city. It's a region. Legalists in the church, or Judaizers, taught that certain Old Testament laws were still binding on Christians, and they reasoned that God's promises only extended to Jews unless a Gentile decided to get circumcised. <laughs> now talk about your intense evangelism strategy. How would you like that? Judaizers didn't deny that faith through Christ was the way to salvation, but they insisted that it was inadequate. This doctrine was in direct contradiction to what the Apostle Paul was trying to teach, that salvation was through faith alone in Christ. They charged also that he was a second-hand apostle. They tried to undermine his authority, saying he was second class to Peter and James and the disciples that walked with Jesus. Furthermore, they argued that he was compromising the gospel and trying to ease up on the law restrictions so that it would be appeasing to men. Paul reacts to the propaganda of the Judaizers by reasserting his authority and apostolic positioning in the global body. And he also explains yet again the idea, this notion of salvation through faith alone. So our text today is going to pick up in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to not read the entire chapter, but I would love for you, I'm going to encourage you and ask you to read all of Galatians 5 uh, at some point throughout today. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, 
I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Okay, so what Paul is saying here is that if you are planning to adhere to the law by getting circumcised, if you're going to get circumcised and say that that is what God wants, then you better be prepared to keep the entirety of the law, which isn't such a good idea. I also want to draw your attention to this phrase, fallen from grace. Now, maybe in your lifetime, I know in mine, I've seen a person or two, a Christian leader, uh, someone that maybe is famous or someone that you knew that's made some poor choices in their life. And as a result, it was going around, so-and-so fell from grace. And we use that term to suggest that, oh, if they made a poor choice, they've fallen from grace. But Paul here says that's not what falling from grace is. Falling away from grace is trying to be righteous in your own eyes by keeping the law. Let's pick up in verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, here we should all underline this phrase in our Bible. It's so critical. It says, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. This particular line, I think, is critical in Paul's explanation of the proper use of Christian liberty. Because apart from the controlling, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, liberty will always degenerate, will always fall back into license, a license to sin. And Paul says it's so fundamental that we get this. Don't allow our liberty to become a license. And if we look now at verses 19 through 21, I'm not going to read it. I'll let you read that at home. It describes the works of the flesh. It's pretty graphic, works of the flesh. But then in verses 22 and 23, it describes the fruit of the Spirit. I want to pick up with Galatians 25 in the New King James Version. It says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, if we Have our being in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, to help us understand what that single verse means, I want to read it in the Amplified Version. The Amplified Version says, If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward, walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. So that brings me to our first question, what is freedom. Verse 1 says, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if we want to know what freedom is, let's just go to the Bible to define it. So if we go to the Greek, this word free means to liberate, to make exempt from obligation, and to make a citizen. To liberate, exempt, and a citizen. If we go to the word bondage and look at the Greek there, it's douyuo, and it means a slave. Interestingly enough, it means a slave either voluntarily or involuntarily. So freedom is exempt from obligation and a citizen with authority and rights. And bondage is to be a slave. 
So that tells me that my level of freedom is directly proportional to my level of sonship. Freedom isn't the ability to sin. Freedom is the ability to not have to. Do you remember when you were a slave to sin? For those with experience in addiction, any addiction, you pick the poison. I can describe your typical day. You weren't sp spending your day wondering if you're going to sin. You were spending your day wondering how and when you were going to sin. All of your time and your thoughts were consumed with creating windows of opportunity to sin and then covering your tracks so you didn't get found out or no one thought you were overboard or no one thought you were addicted and you were just very consumed and paranoid with it and the vicious cycle repeats. Why? Because you had to. You were a slave to that substance or that activity or whatever it was that addiction was in your life. You were a slave to sin. It told you when to drink, when to eat, when to log on, when to unzip, when to roll the dice, and any other number of behaviors that flow out of bondage. That was the result of bondage. And now freedom isn't about getting to do these things without any conviction. Freedom is that you don't have to do these things. So freedom is fun. Bondage is not fun. I want to list a few not fun things that are not bondage. I want to make sure that we distinguish the difference. One is God's wrath. Experiencing God's wrath is not bondage. Now, I will tell you, thankfully, that you and I will not experience the wrath of God. First Thessalonians tells us that you and I are not appointed to wrath, so we don't have to worry about that. God's wrath will not be fun. Thankfully, you and I don't have to endure that. Another not fun thing is God's discipline. Yes, the Bible tells us that God does discipline those he loves. Those he calls sons and daughters, he disciplines, just like any good father would do. God's discipline isn't fun, but it's certainly not bondage either. Another not fun thing is man's wrath. Now, we know that we won't experience God's wrath, but there's no guarantee that we won't experience the wrath of man. And probably we all already have, and we probably will again. Another not fun thing is suffering suffering. All of us encounter suffering. Thankfully, we don't suffer alone, and our suffering is not without hope. But when we suffer, when we encounter loss, when we encounter less than God's best, because we live in a broken, fallen world, we know that that suffering is not bondage. And the last not fun thing I want to talk to you about is the consequences of our sin. Now, we know that Sin brings death, and thankfully when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're no longer a slave to sin, and our spirit is not exposed to death. However, our bondage can have consequences in our life. And just because I get freedom from an area of bondage does not mean that I won't encounter the consequences of that bondage. If I get addicted to pornography, if I get addicted to alcohol, if I get addicted to drugs, if I get addicted to gossip and slander, if I get addicted to pride, all of these things, these, these areas of bondage in our life, yes, we can overcome the bondage through the power of Jesus Christ, and I hope that we do that today. But that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. When we treat people poorly and we're we're, we spew anger and, and we make poor decisions sometimes. 
those actions have consequences. And I need to remind us that sin will take us further than we ever intended to go. And just because we get free of bondage doesn't mean that God will remove the consequences of our actions. The second question is, how do I know if I am free? In Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. These are two separate things that we need to understand and fully grasp. You see, Paul is talking about two things, living and walking. Now, when we come to Christ, the moment we place our faith in Jesus, our spirit comes alive. We go from a dead man to a living man. And that's living in the spirit. But Paul makes it pretty clear all through Galatians, but particularly in chapter 5, Paul makes it very, very clear that as a Christ follower... We have access to freedom, but it's not mandatory. You can be a Christian and stay in bondage if you want to. God will not force salvation on anyone, and he won't force freedom on you. So this is a tricky question because some people are neck deep in bondage. I mean, it's obvious that they they have areas of bondage in their life, yet they truly believe that they're free. And then equally concerning are these people who constantly claim that they're in bondage yet they can't see the freedom that God has released to them and they 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 want to carry the guilt and the shame from their past somehow they feel like they have to atone and the more guilty that they feel and the more depressed they become the closer that God will see that they're really sorry discernment is critical when trying to answer this question church we know that freedom comes from Christ and bondage comes from Satan. Jesus has come that you may have life and have it to the full. And Satan has come to still kill and destroy. Bondage and defeat is a trap that the enemy has set for you. And the only way that the enemy's traps work is through deception. The enemy deceives us in one of three ways. And I want to reveal those to you today. The first way the enemy deceives us is we are deceived and we don't discern, discern that we are under attack. We just think it's life circumstances. We don't see that we're under attack. The second way he deceives us is you know that you're under attack, but he deceives you into believing that you don't have authority to put an end to it. Finally, one of the biggest deceptions that the enemy uses is he tries to convince you and make you believe that just because you are tempted by something means you're still in bondage. But that couldn't be further from the truth. The freedom that God has given you is the ability to say no to that temptation. The power to say no to that old vice. The power to say no to that thing that the enemy is whispering in your ear. Just because you have been freed from something doesn't mean that you won't be tempted by that very same thing in the future. Satan tries to make you believe that because you are still tempted to log on to that site or to pick up that drink or pick up that food or whatever it is, the bondage that had a hold on you and you were set free from and now it's whispering in your ear. Satan would love for you to believe that temptation is bondage. When you were a slave to sin, you had no choice but to fulfill its demands. And the very fact that you were able to be tempted and to say no is further proof that you, my friend, have been set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Question number three, why does freedom actually matter? In verse one, Galatians 5.1 gives us a two-part answer 
as to why freedom matters. Galatians 1 in the Amplified says, In this freedom, Christ has made us free. In this freedom, Christ has made us free. It matters for two reasons. The first is that the root of freedom is freedom. So if I want to walk in freedom, I have to have a, a root system, and that root system must be freedom. It's not something I've done in my own right. It's not something that I've conquered and defeated. It is the fact that I am grafted into Jesus Christ, who doesn't just offer freedom. He is freedom. So when we use the name of Jesus Christ and the power of his blood to break chains and bondage over our life, when we fully get planted and rooted and grounded in the Word of God and the DNA of God, it is a testimony to the power of Christ's work in my life. When I walk in freedom, people see the root system. And they know the old tray. They know the, the old things. And they know that if this has changed, it's not tray. There is a root system that goes deeper. So why does freedom matter? Because my freedom points to Jesus Christ. Secondly, in that same verse, it matters because the fruit of freedom is freedom. Freedom grows. It multiplies. It expands. It spreads. It transfers. It travels generationally. A drop of freedom becomes an ocean. So my freedom matters because my grandchildren need me to be free. My great-grandchildren need me to be free. My co-workers need me to be free. Are you following me, church? Freedom expands. And as the freedom that I carry is brought into my community, into my home, it is transferable to other people. Question number four. What if I have become friends with my captor? And I don't mind being in bondage. That's a great question. I'm sure that we've all been there or we know someone who is in bondage and they've just accepted it as their reality. Now, I would, I would say this. First of all, we need to understand that there is a big difference between I don't mind being in bondage and I'm afraid to change or I don't know how to change. Those are two different scenarios that we need to discern. If someone doesn't want freedom, you can't make them pursue freedom. But the problem isn't really with their fruit anyway. So, so we can't really address the porn addiction. We can't really address the alcoholism. We can't address the anger management issues. We can't address the fruit on the tree if someone wants to remain in bondage. It's not a fruit issue. It's a root issue. We don't help them by convincing them to change behavior. We share the gospel of Jesus Christ in love. Maybe they have never truly had a born-again-in-the-spirit experience, a transformational experience. There are a lot of people walking around in man-made churches that have a head knowledge of Jesus and have said a prayer with their head, but they have never encountered a move of the Holy Spirit so that it transforms their life, so that they begin to be conformed to the image of Christ. They're saved in their own power, not in the power of the gospel, which is mighty to save. So maybe these people who don't want to get out of bondage, don't want to change, don't want the freedom, I would probably suggest that they're not really actually saved. And if they are saved, we need to get with them and help them understand who they are in Christ. Get them some identity going on so that they know that freedom flows from the root of Christ.
Question number five, how do I get free? If you're watching today and you have tried to be free from bondage and you've tried everything, you've set up accountability partners, you spent time praying, um, and you, you still don't see the freedom and you still have bondage in your life, you need to know that this is a trap set for you. Brothers and sisters, hear me. The enemy knows the destruction that awaits for him if sons and daughters step into their breakthrough moment and walk in freedom in the spirit. He knows that your bondage is his freedom and your freedom is his bondage. And as you walk in freedom, the kingdom of God expands. As you walk in freedom, your dreams and your purposes that God has placed you on earth, they begin to expand. Freedom is released on the earth. So your enemy, Satan, he is motivated to keep you in the dark. Today, we are exposing the trap of the enemy that he has set for you to keep you in patterns of defeat. Many of us watching right now are caught up in a trap of defeat. You had no idea that this bondage was the result of a spiritual attack. And the whole purpose of this spiritual attack is to create massive delay in your purpose, in your breakthrough, massive setback, and trying to wear down the saints. So let's just expose this trap. The reason why exposing the trap is so important is because the deception of the trap is what keeps you bound. When you expose the trap, you expose the truth. And John 8.32 says, the truth will set you free. It is exposing the truth that allows freedom to flourish in your life. Bondage is always the result of deception. This is about to be a moment of breakthrough for many of us that are watching today. I declare that you will no longer be bound to sin, a slave to sin, blind to the enemy's trap. I declare that you will recognize the authority that Christ has placed on you and that you as a citizen of heaven will not be caught unaware of the enemy's schemes, but you will realize that you have been bought at a precious price by the blood of Jesus Christ. And starting today, your freedom is going to manifest like never before. Starting today, you're going to bring glory and honor and power to the name of Jesus Christ. Starting today, you are going to be a witness of those who were once lost but now were found. Those who were once bound and now are free. And the Lord has sent me here today to tell you that the negative cycle of defeat ends now in Jesus name. So let's unpack this trap of defeat. The first way it begins to manifest is through mental warfare and there are two classic symptoms. The first is the temptation to go back into old bondages. Think about children of Israel and Egypt. They get out of bondage, they get stuck in the wilderness, and rather than going forward, they want to go back. Satan hates your freedom. He absolutely hates that you've been delivered. There's nothing he wants more than to pull you back into the pig pen of your old bondages. And when mental warfare begins, you'll first start to have memories surface. Memories of how you did this sin, where you did this sin, how it made you feel. You'll start to replay the funny moments that seemed harmless surrounding this bondage that eventually wasn't so harmless. You'll think about the people that were involved in the situation. You'll pass by the place where you used to buy that thing or you used to partake of that thing or it used to draw you and you'll linger. That glance will linger a little bit longer than it should have. When you first notice that these 
old thoughts and these memories are coming back to you. This is your first sign that there is a mental assault going on. The enemy is setting a trap of defeat for you. Remember, temptation isn't bondage. It's your opportunity to display your freedom. The goal of temptation is not to get you to do that thing again. The goal of temptation is to get you to question if you're really free. Am I really free? Have I really gotten over that? Has God really done a work in me? Is it really even that big of a deal? Did God really say not to eat from that tree? The goal of temptation, it does care about the end result, but primarily, firstly, it wants to get you confused. His goal is to create so much confusion and uncertainty around your freedom that you become a slave to the possibility of being a slave. And when you become a slave to the possibility, if he can get you to think like a slave, you'll be a slave. And when you are a slave, you'll act like a slave. The second symptom that you are under mental assault from the enemy that a trap of defeat has been set is you will have a strong urge to give up and quit. You will have a season of victory and all of a sudden out of nowhere you'll just start to get tired. You'll start to feel defeated even though you still have all of these days of success, all of these days of sobriety, all of these days of victory under your belt. Out of nowhere you'll just have this urge to quit. The biggest lie that the enemy uses, he'll show up and he'll whisper in your ear, I can't do this. Notice I said, he says, I can't do this. He doesn't whisper, you can't do this. He says, I can't do this because he wants you to think the thought originated inside of you. When Satan launches an attack against your mind, he wants you to think all of these thoughts are your thoughts, not his thoughts. Friend, that's not you. That's not the real you. That's not the you the God is fashioned and formed. That's not the you that can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's time for you to understand that you are under an assault from the enemy. The trap has been set. Are you going to see it or are you going to ignore it? Are you going to walk past it and get stuck in a pattern of defeat? Now let's talk about patterns of defeat. There are three times when the trap of defeat really is working overtime in our life. The first is when we're getting ready to step out and to launch something big. We believe it's the right thing, but stepping out into the unknown and uncertainty can be scary at times. And so the enemy will capitalize on that uncertainty and he would love to bring something familiar to you. Something soothing, something tangible that you can put your faith in, even if it's not a good thing, even if it's an old bondage, an old relationship, an old whatever, it's something familiar to you and you know what you can expect. He tries to attack you with defeat in order to cause delay. Don't fall for it. Another time that he tries to attack you with a trap of defeat is right after we've accomplished something big. We settle back, we get complacent, and there's always this temptation of self-satisfaction and pride and ego like hey I've come a long way I'm doing good maybe I can do that thing one more time and it won't have a hold on me maybe I can go back to that place maybe I can call that person whatever the situation the bondage is for you we find ourselves after a big event in our life believing that we are strong enough to go one more round 
The third time when the trap of defeat is working overtime is in moments of discouragement. And that discouragement can come through the words of others. It can come through circumstances. It can come through bank account statuses, whatever it is, that discouragement. When there is discouragement, the enemy loves to capitalize on that and set a trap of defeat, trying to get us into old cycles, old bondages. He loves to work through our inner world, our inner dialogue, the things that we say to ourselves, our perception of what's going on around us, what we perceive to be discouragement. And then we fall into a pattern of self-pity. And the more self-pity we have, the more discouragement we have. And the more discouragement we have, the more self-pity we have. And all along, this mental assault is going on and the trap of defeat is being pulled back. So how do we overcome the pattern of defeat that leads to bondage in our life. First of all, we have to sit down and have a conversation with the Holy Spirit and ask Him to reveal the pattern of defeat that the enemy uses. The pattern of bondage in your life, I promise you, is so methodical. It is so predictable. It follows a pattern, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the pattern for that bondage. Once you've identified the pattern, you need to watch for it. When you see the initial step of that pattern unfolding in your life, in whatever small way that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you as the pattern that the enemy uses, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. So it will be very evident when it happens now that you've had a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And the moment that you see that initial step take place. This is the moment where you need to dig in deep to the root system of freedom. That is Jesus Christ. Connecting with Jesus looks different for everyone, but I will tell you this, whatever it looks like for you, know this. If your solution does not include knowing and reading the Word of God, then you're going into battle without a sword. Prayer and fasting is a good idea. It worked for Elijah when he was on the run from Jezebel. It could include worship, listening to preaching, reading a devotion, journaling. Find what works for you. It's just incredibly important that when you see the first step of an attack, that you don't focus on the attack, you focus on Jesus. Now I want to say, if your old bondage is sexual sin, you need CPR. Confess, pray, run. And in opposite order, you need to run, pray, confess. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us that sexual temptation is the only temptation that you should run from. Every other thing that the enemy tries to bring us, we stand our ground and we face it. But God says when it comes to sexual sin, run. Get out of the location. Get away from the temptation because it hit you where you are for a reason. You are either alone or you are in a place conducive to that sexual sin or you are with the wrong people. So you need to run, pray, confess. As we confess one to another our temptations and our struggles, then we find freedom and we continue to sustain the freedom that God has already given to us. So I declare today that you have eyes to see the trap that the enemy has set for you. I declare and I prophesy over you that a spirit of freedom is permeating your home, that you are walking in boldness and confidence, that you aren't afraid of the attack of the enemy, that you are fully sure and you are 
absolutely stable and solid in your identity as a son, in your identity as a daughter. I declare that you will not be caught unaware of the enemy's schemes and you won't forget the royalty that runs through your veins. I declare that from this moment forward, freedom won't be something that you're searching after. Freedom is something that you are releasing on the earth because of the legacy that God has created inside of you. Father, I just thank you for every son and daughter that's watching right now. God, let them sense your nearness. Let them sense your love for them, Father. Let them just sense how proud you are of their pursuit of you, Father. God, I thank you that any one of us that's watching today that's carrying guilt and shame, that it is gone in the name of Jesus, Father that we declare that our righteousness is not in anything that we've done, but it's holy in what you've done. God, we thank you that we are clothed in your righteousness and in your royalty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.